0: Hey, uh, welcome to this week's episode of Happy Campers. We're doing an episode called Safe Space. Yeah, camp as a safe space. Um, Before we get started, as you already know, my name is Sammy. And I'm Julia. And this week's episode, it's going to be a little bit different in a few, in a couple ways. Uh, First, it's going to be a double episode because we feel like there's a lot to say on this topic. And we brought on uh, some guests that are going to bring on like very various perspectives about um, camp as a safe space. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other way it's going to be different is that this is kind of a little bit of a heavier episode. It's dealing with kind of more um, I don't want to say like serious or heavy, but kind of just like meaningful um, aspects of camp and like the idea of camp itself. Um, So when julia and i were first talking about creating this podcast like literally in the very first phone call um one of the ideas that julia had and that i really liked was she wanted to talk about um camp and like how uh kids at camp might be dealing with things that are kind of like beyond their age range and um how camp can act as like a special and secure place for that um so that's kind of how this episode came to be do you want to talk more about that Mm -hmm. and
1: i'm just excited to be doing it because obviously when you think of camp you think of all the really fun hilarious jokes everyone has and uh all the silly traditions and everything that makes us love camp but another thing that makes us love camp is definitely those really intense bonds that you have with people that are formed And so much of that comes through people actually opening up and sharing what they're going through at home, at camp, that day, whether it's affecting them in like a major way or a small way. And, you know, they don't have their parents to run to after school to be like, what happened today? What's wrong? And open up to them. Instead, it's their little bunt and it's their friend who sleeps next to them. It's like, hey, are you okay? Just checking in. And then all of a sudden you're that person who they're opening up to and, and sharing stuff with. and. Uh, whether you guys can talk it out or whether they're dealing with something that needs you know a counselor's attention or you know some more someone else to get involved, uh, you kind of get thrown into things that you don't really deal with when you're back home and everyone has their own
0: kind of support system and yeah. separate
1: worlds and separate spheres where people are able to hide things and uh, kind of work through things separately i I liked that camp't kind of put everything out there and uh, it made you face a lot of things that you weren't going to get to face until years later, maybe.
0: Yeah. And kind of like the, the opposite side of that coin is camp is also like a, a huge escape for a lot of people from what they're dealing with at home or even just, you know, like I remember as a 13 year old kid, I was kind of awkward. I was not super popular and I came to camp and I like felt very at home. I felt like I belonged there. I was with people that I trusted and It was a very safe place for me. I was very, very confident at camp, where I was not so much so when I was at home. Um, So that's kind of what we're going to explore
1: today. Yeah, something that will come up in in our interviews is this idea of camp as a safe space and then it could be that to one person, but maybe it's not to someone else. Yeah, a and triggering thing someone for someone can else. Go to camp and be so confident and be you know really flourish. And on the other side of that, they can go to camp and uh, maybe something's not clicking with the people in their bunk or uh, some part of the environment. They're just is is triggering to them, and they shut down and they don't want to be there and they see camp as this negative thing. Uh, so I think both experiences are very valid and both happen. Yeah. So uh, giving some time to talk about those, which I think we're able to do a little bit in this episode too.
0: Yeah. Um, so the, the, these two, it's a two episode. It's two part. Yeah. Yeah. So the first um, guest that we have on that we're going to have, we're going to have three guests on this pod, on this couple of episodes. Um, and the first one we're having on is, um, her name is Caroline Rothstein and she's, a uh, spoken word poet and activist and uh, writer and she was actually i overlapped with her at camp as campers and then i played her on halloween night actually and uh when i was 10 and it was like i begged her to have uniform so i could be her um played her meaning you dressed up i dressed and up I, and I, like, i'm caroline yeah because she was like that much of an uh influence at camp um and then she was a counselor when I was a camper. And she was a counselor when you were a camper, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, she had a... She's just a, a legendary yeah, camper,
1: counselor, Person friend.
0: at Walden, yeah, yeah. And she had a very big influence on a lot of people's lives, including the two of us mm-hmm. and a lot of our friends. And she's awesome and amazing. And she lived through a lot of trauma in her life um, and kind of used camp as... Uh, a place to escape and just kind of grow without having to like dress, address these things like head on. And she'll talk to us about that and it's going to be really good. Yeah. So we're excited for you to listen to that. And then the other two guests, which will be on next week are uh, our friend Zoe Katz who uh, volunteered at experience camp, which is a camp for kids who have uh, It's a week long camp for kids who have experienced loss. Um, And Eric Tanner, who uh, worked at Seeds of Peace, which is a camp that brings kids from areas of conflict together. Um, And he's still currently very involved with them. Um, So it's going to be great. I'm really excited and, like, happy that we were able to make this episode. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. So our first guest today is... Our dear friend, Caroline Rothstein, Um, she went to our camp. Uh, She was a camper, a counselor, scheduler, she taught water skiing, she did everything. But now she's an amazing activist, spoken word poet, writer, just artist, amazing human. And she's going to talk to us about camp as a safe space today.
1: Thank you so much for being here, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Uh, You're someone who we've all looked up to a lot and that you've kind of been this beacon of a Walden Knight who has gone off and pursued all her passions and brought everyone along for the ride. And I feel like so many people have been inspired by you, including myself. Uh, And we're so excited to speak to you about kind of uh, what's going on inside and, and your strength and how you've been able to... Uh, kind of share that with the world and inspire us and kind of dig into that a little bit today and talk about how camp has been a part of that.
2: Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I love both of you and I love that you're doing this and I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's important.
0: Great. Um, Okay. So as you know, our uh, theme today is camp as a safe space. We have a number of guests coming on, but I think what we wanted to talk about first is kind of like the camper/slash counselor experience of like using camp as a safe space for themselves rather than because later we're going to talk to someone from Grief Camp and someone from Seeds of Peace that's kind of like looking at it from the outside as to how it functions for the campers. But um, so what does that mean to you? What does camp as a safe space mean to you? How did you use it that way? Whatever you want to...
2: Yeah.
0: As a camper, as a counselor, or both? Both, both, absolutely. So the
2: first thing is I don't believe in safe spaces. I believe okay. that a space can only be safer with parentheses around the R. So that comes from recognizing that something can simultaneously be a safe space to one person while also being a trigger to another. So for me, camp was a safe space. There were also moments where camp was not a safe space. There were other people for whom camp was a highly triggering place. And so understanding this notion that something can be all things to many people is really important. So to me, learning to understand as a camper, that camp was this haven of safety for me while I was simultaneously experiencing a lot of trauma in my life away from camp. Some of the coping mechanisms came with me to camp. It was really important in understanding that camp couldn't take away, as much as I loved camp, it couldn't take away a lot of the pain and inner turmoil I was experiencing as a kid. Similarly, as a counselor, I was still struggling with some of the issues I struggled with as a kid or during my first few years as a counselor and so I brought a lot of the tools I was learning in college as an activist and as an educator and as a workshop facilitator into my practice as a counselor to help create that safety and understand the spectrum on which safety exists if that makes sense
0: no that totally makes sense
2: I'm also happy to share more specifically what some of my experiences were, if that would be of use. Yeah, I mean, we're
1: going to get into that for sure. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what was interesting in terms of what you just said, uh, I think is, you know, everyone's coming to camp with whatever whatever they're dealing with in the outside world. And it's always just interesting of in some of the ways, probably the answer is both, but that question of like... W- was camp a a space where you could almost like put things on hold and forget about things or was it a space where you could feel open to kind of like talking about what was really happening and kind of working through that with people?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd also say that the, so to be more specific, I struggled with an eating disorder from ages 11 to 21, which included being my years as a camper and included the early years of my being a counselor. And I also was experienced sexual assault when I was um, 14 and 15 for a year and a half by a peer of mine and also was raped my first year of college. So all of those traumas were coming with me in my bodied experience by the time I got to camp. And I also struggled with self-harm and cutting when I was a kid. So there were incidents of engaging with my eating disorder with self-harm while at camp in secret obviously and so it's what's ironic is that it wasn't camp that caused me obviously to engage in those behaviors those were coming with me from home those were part of my experience at the time on the other hand the roots of my ultimate recovery came from camp Like the fact that I was ultimately able to recover, that I've been fully recovered for 12 years, the fact that I publicly talk about my experience as a survivor, as someone recovered from an eating disorder, as someone who struggled with mental illness, all of that comes from camp. So the foundation for my ultimate perseverance and resilience is built in my experience as a camper and my experience as a counselor where I was able to allow... I hope other young folk, a space where they too could find the roots of that ultimate resilience and empowerment.
0: That's very powerful. That's so powerful. I think about that a lot because I was a counselor too. And there were definitely kids that came with their own specific traumas and problems. And a lot of times they didn't, they weren't working on them at camp, Head on, but like you could kind of tell that they were kind of working through something, and camp was kind of like the vehicle that helped them, even though if they weren't addressing it every day so uh it was interesting, and it was like very challenging as a counselor to kind of figure out the best path to take and addressing that and yeah,
1: can you talk a little bit more, maybe specifically about how if you view, like camp to do that was it? Relationships that you had with people was it the, the traditions that you were able to like, yeah. connect with people over?
2: It was everything, like the traditions at Camp Walden where we all went. But for those out there that don't know Camp Walden, I felt were rooted in whether the the founders of Camp Walden were overtly feminist or like intentionally creating feminist programming.
0: I felt that I, mean, I felt that all the, girls camp created in 1916. So it's yeah, it pretty, pretty feminist. feminist. <laughs> like before <laughs> women could even vote, this, <laughs> yeah, this camp, camp existed.
2: So I always felt like some of the traditions at, at Camp Walden were just epic. Like you are asked at 15 to stand in front of the entire camp, your final week as a camper and verbally articulate who you are and what camp means to you. Like, nobody does that. Like, And and I had, like, snot bubbles coming out of my (laughs) nostrils. And I wasn't embarrassed by that. And that, like, might be considered embarrassing in other spaces in the world. But here I was, like, blowing snot bubbles out of my nostrils at 15, sobbing and articulating what this place meant to me and what my friendships meant to me. That's a really powerful tool at 15 to feel like you can comfortably talk in front of, 150, 200 people about your most vulnerable feelings and thoughts. That was one tradition that really did something for me. I think um, the job system, so at Camp Walden, the 14-year-olds and the 15-year-olds all have jobs where they help with a lot of the programming for the summer. So to be in charge of the summer yearbook, which was my job, it was called Splash, and I was the general of Splash, which was a terrible Non-feminist word to use, but anyway. <laughs> what word would you have used? If you could rename the position. Editor. General is. Just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> Editor in chief. Editor. Which is the equally problematic. <laughs> ah! Anyway, this is not a the this is not a lesson on linguistics today. But although Feminist language has a lot to do with safety, I will argue. So I just like being in charge with my best friends of like putting together this summer yearbook and watching my other friends like lead team sports and things, you know, that was really incredible. So the jobs were an empowering thing. And also the, my counselors were really amazing. I had counselors that were with my cabin every year through our childhood. And so specifically with my eating disorder, I know my, in my early summers as a camper I struggled with anorexia and then it and then it transitioned into bulimia so I had a real cocktail of eating disorders if you will and my my when the bulimia came to bear came to light right before leaving for camp one of my summers my mom called my counselor and the director at camp and gave them a heads up and so I went to camp that summer with the support of my counselor which was obviously like we can only save ourselves from our struggles and challenges, and somehow knowing that she was there supporting me without any judgment was was like a thing that I kept in my back pocket. And then my bunk mates were so supportive of me. We I remember hiking a mountain, hiking to the top of Mount Katahdin in Maine, and I had a really I had a severe ulcer that was caused from my bulimia. And I was really struggling physically as with some of the, like some of the physical symptoms I was experiencing were not great as a result of my eating disorder. And I remember like, I couldn't make it up the mountain and the frame pack was too heavy with the things I was carrying. And my bunkmates like helped disperse some of the stuff that was in my, this like makes me want to cry. They helped like disperse some of the things that were in my frame pack amongst themselves, like pots and pans, peppers. I can like picture this like full pepper that we were (laughs) going to use to eat so that I could like keep going. And that's like also uh, unbelievable at 15. No shame, no judgment, no like Caroline's like proverbially weighing us down. It was like, no, you we want you to come to the top of the mountain. It's a struggle for you. And so like, let's help you out. And, and those moments like stuck with me that like, okay, these people could love me in the midst of my not being able to love myself. There's got to be something here that's bigger than the self-hatred that's like literally eating me alive.
0: That story made me think of uh, the book, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. The first chapter is about like the physical things they carried, but then it's also about the spiritual and emotional things that these men were like carrying through war that kind of made me think like, as they were like relieving you of the pots and pans, they were like maybe relieving you of like some of the self hatred you were feeling and kind of just like making you feel good, better. Yeah, for sure. That like really made me think of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, my camp friends, present company included, remain some of the most important people in my life. And I, there were other, I mean, I'm happy, you know, we can go through my laundry list of traumas in life, but when, when it's just, I, it makes me laugh when I like name all the ridiculous because it's so stupid. But when my, just like all not, of these
0: things happen to one person,
2: <laughs> it's just not funny, but it's funny because it's like so ridiculous. But when my, when my brother was dying because he was, it's not funny, it's not. but it's so absurd when he, so he was hit by a car, when he was 15 while walking down the sidewalk. And when I was in the ICU waiting, you know, as he was dying, I mean, unconscious, I got, this was 2002, so nobody had email on their phone. I got on the computer at the nurse's station, and the first people I contacted were my 15 bunkmates, and I sent a group email on AOL, because, like, it's 2002, and I said, this is what's happening. And some of them came home from college, some of them... Showed up to to be there for the funeral and for shiva. The fact that I'm 19 and like the worst thing that one of the worst things that's ever happened to me is happening, and the first people I reach out to are my bunkmates. I think says a lot about about how for me I was able to create safety. And again, I recognize there were people that left camp because it wasn't the same yeah. space. Yeah. And I think that that's like what's so important bringing it to my experience as a counselor, understanding that like we can't assume camp as a safe space for everyone because it can be the like epic place it was for someone like me, whose entire, like my entire well being and my entire career of being able to do what I do is most certainly rooted in my experience of camp as a safe space for me, does not negate the fact that it isn't safe for everyone. And I think that that's the like, constant back and forth we have to go through as camp professionals, as educators, as counselors to not assume camp as a safe space, but to continually work for camp to be safety where the best possible solution is that in the worst moments, we know we have this amazing network that can help us heal.
0: Um, yeah, I, oh, I've i talked about this more in like a joking way with people about how like there are always kids... like. Especially at our camp, but I think it's probably a, a, a all sleepaway camp kind of thing where it's like there is just like a certain kind of kid that doesn't make it all the way through camp, yeah. and it's a very certain kind of kid that does make it all the way through camp. Yeah, it's like it's it's an interesting like dichotomy to think about uh, the the kids that don't find safety or like happiness at camp hopefully they can find it somewhere else
1: yeah no I think I'm just very interested in this idea of uh, of it being such a safe space for some people and such a triggering or just not good experience for others and I don't know if you know we're the three best people to talk about it but yeah maybe talking about like what some of the reasons are what some of the things that happen at camp that could be potentially like very triggering mm-hmm. that
2: if you're not attuned to that, you'd be like, Oh, that's not a big deal, but maybe it is a big deal type thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that bullying can e- obviously exist at camp. For sure. Um yeah, absolutely. and 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 as a professional, one of the one of my many like hats I wear is as an educator. And the last year I I've been blessed to have gotten involved in doing educational work in the Jewish camp space. There's an amazing organization called Foundation for Jewish Camp, FJC, and one of their programs is called Cornerstone, and they bring together educators from all backgrounds to teach programming to third-year Jewish summer camp counselors to take back to their camps. So I, this past year, taught counselors how to bring spoken word poetry and writing to their camps and then teach that at their camps. There's someone who oversees nature programming, someone who oversees visual arts, music, the list goes on. And one of the things that really blew me away being part of this program was how massive the camp experience is. And when you start to bring other elements into camping, such as multiple genders because we went to a, a girl a camp for all girls which also can be problematic right because what about campers who are trans or gender non-conforming right like can't all girls and all boys camps are beginning to break this apart and understand where they can right like I actually think that that's one thing that can be triggering right yeah. what about a camper who's not identifying on the gender binary or identifies outside of the binary or somewhere else on the gender spectrum, but camp is a safe space for them, and then suddenly they're starting to recognize you know, that their identity gender-wise is not consistent with the expectations and the assumptions of the camp, that can become triggering. I think the heteronormativity that's really part of the culture at both all girls, all boys and co-ed camps can be really problematic and triggering for people. So the assumption that like, you know, at our camp Walden, there were socials with boys camps, like what if you aren't interested in dancing with boys? (laughs) What if regardless of your sexuality, the thought of dancing with a boy is triggering and, and like embarrassing, no matter what your sexuality is like, that can be really triggering and problematic. And that and so, those so gender, sexuality, those can be places where triggers can come up. Another um, is around body image. Like when I was doing Cornerstone this past year, I literally like was getting is amazing, but I like had appointments with all these camps all week to talk about body image. Yeah and gender binary stuff, but not that I'm an expert as a, as a cisgender female on like the gender, but like, but I, I at least hope that I have some language that can help break some of these issues down having a, the lens that I have, but, but the body image stuff can be really triggering too, you know? And it was for me, right? Like being in a bathing suit was not a particularly thrilling experience
0: do you ever notice how at our camp this is a slightly off topic yeah but there are no full-length mirrors like all the mirrors are just like yeah i do at the height of your i face. did notice because
2: i was obsessively looking at myself in the mirror <laughs> the and i knew place. how to like stand on it was totally messed up though i knew how to stand on things or go to the garage and nobody be looking right. and then like analyze my body like i that do you but, think that was done on purpose
0: or I'm they gonna, were just like cheap I'm with gonna the mirrors. No.
2: I'm going to say it wasn't done on purpose and just like, who wants to spend the money at Walden for... <laughs> the girls know what their legs look like. Yeah,
0: we like we know what our legs look like. <laughs> just look down at your bottom just half. Just look down yeah. at your bottom half if you're able to see. I think, oh, well,
2: hey, now that we're talking about that, like inclusivity in terms of body ability is a huge thing in terms of like, I you know, there's there's a whole inclusivity track at cornerstone on able bodied and special needs and so like yeah. that can also become triggering so the, all the various ways that that people experience feeling marginalized or triggered in the quote unquote real world happens at camp too and so i think that that the, the beauty is that camp is a contained place where we have an opportunity to to oh not let the systems of oppression that are impacting the world on a daily basis. Like we get to play around with what it can look like when we can eliminate some of those systems, but it's hard.
0: Yeah. It's really hard. I feel like because these systems aren't necessarily going to disappear once you leave camp, right? So But what you can do is
2: gain tools, tools and relationships that teach you how to treat people and yourself
0: better year-round. Right. That was You're, like, so good at this, I'm, like, blown away. I, like, don't even know what to say.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: something that I, I feel like we've spent some time talking about, yeah, the, the all those triggers that can happen at camp, uh, so I want to take it back to you and your yeah. experience and... Uh, kind of a little bit more of you know how wonderful camp was for you, and acknowledge that both your mother has mm-hmm. gone to Camp Walden and your sister as well, and and she was head counselor. Yeah, head <laughs> counselor. She was. Shout out so to proud. one of my favorite bunk mates, <laughs> Miss Natalie Rostein.
2: Shout out to my favorite sister. I always Shut tell her, you're up. my
1: favorite sister. And she goes, I'm
2: your Nana. only sister.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'd love for you to speak about the connection that uh, that you got in terms of sharing this experience and sharing that safe space uh, with, your, with your family, yeah. and the
2: women in your family, for sure. Oh, I feel like it, it's very possible I could start crying, but this feels like a safe space, so I'm not afraid. Um, I also cry on the subway, so no offense to you. I, I cry The subway anyway. is the safest space there is. Right? the safest <laughs> space to cry in New York City. Um, I really don't have words and language for how unbelievable it is to be able to share camp with my mom and my sister, and, and that growing up I felt like my house was a, a safe space of Walden. Be, in, in, in I mean, obviously, like, I was also a very troubled teen at moments, so I clearly was living in my own internal whatever, and I, my mom, so there's a thing at Walden called honor system, which is this notion of compassion, sharing, honesty, trust, respect of one another, of yourself. And so because my mom had gone to Walden, I feel like I grew up in a house built on honor system. My father also went to camp in Maine, Camp Takahoe. A few dads went there. A few dads may have gone there. Yeah. So my dad had also gone to camp. So he, both of my parents believed in the importance of camp as teaching. And so in terms, so I also felt like it wasn't just sharing Walden with my sister and my mom. I also felt like I was sharing Walden with my dad and with my brother in many ways because my dad like loved Walden. He like <laughs> loved coming to yeah, visitors. He was so Week- happy. On he visitor's was weekend. so happy on <laughs> visitors' weekend and like just like. So I I feel like he would wear a Walden shirt all weekend. <laughs> I don't know that he would wear a Walden shirt. He wore, like, pink polo shirts. He wore, like, pink polo shirts and carried around a tote bag that had SAR <laughs> yeah, monogrammed yeah. on yeah, it. the yeah. tote bag. But, and, like, cell phones before everyone had cell phones. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> These are all true statements. <laughs> and so I think it be, extends beyond my mom and sister. So the fact that even my father, like... You know, there was a camp song he knew by heart that, like, he would sing about climbing Mount Pleasant. Although when we would over-sing about camp in general, he'd be like, too much Walden songs. But other than that, like, I... I, So I grew up in a house that was, like... It felt like camp year-round in many ways because, again, honor system was a tenant of my mom's upbringing, which she brought into our home space. I feel like both of my parents instilled in me a sense of egalitarianism and social justice. (coughs) So that meant that I feel like honor system kind of is a kindred spirit to social justice and believing in egalitarianism and world peace. And so (laughs) all these things were part of my home life. And so being able to talk about camp and for my mom and sister, and then by extension, my father to like get it. And you know, for my, our, our, my dad would like make sure we could visit our camp friends, like, people's bat mitzvahs sweet 16s camp reunions like we lived in chicago everyone in chicago went to camp in wisconsin wisconsin and michigan so it was so for us to be able to continue to see our camp friends that was important for our parents to make sure it could happen and they got it and then i could share i can share camp with my sister like the fact that I get to share Walden with Natalie is, I, I, again, I don't have language for it. And, and it's, it's something that is a profound gift and that I feel like, yeah, I don't only have my camp friends, I have my camp family, which is my mom and my sister. And, and, and that's, I don't, I don't know.
0: I'm just going to talk in circles saying that I'm I don't priceless. have language. It's priceless. Um, How did your experience at camp affect what you do now with your performance and writing? So shout out to Catherine
2: Kaufman Say, who was the head of the theater and performance program at Camp Walden when I was a camper because she gave me my acting debut in 1994 as the king in Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella and that was when I realized I had a loud, belting alto voice and that I was born to be on stage. You were. I was. And I think, Sammy, you were there for my performance of, as Diana Morales in Chorus Line. I was. In 1998. And like, I, I you've also seen I wasn't seen there, me- but I've heard about it. <laughs> and like, I know that you've seen me perform professionally as a, performance poet like Diana Morales may continue to be one of the great performances of my life yeah yeah like it was so so just as basic like fact that I found who I was on stage at camp is it's everything for my career as a as a touring spoken word poet and as a writer yeah I was the head of Splash I like there are a lot of spelling errors in the 1998 splash, which is all my fault. But, um, but I also like loved writing the copy that was part of that and working with my, my bunkmates on the splashboard to put that together. And so, and writing letters, like, you know, before email was big, the act of physically writing letters to friends, to family, truck letters to each other, like that also becomes a part of how one knows to verbally articulate themselves emotionally and my work for those that have read or seen it or heard it is quite personal. So I would say that the roots of also being able to express myself in a really honest way came from those years as well. I'd been writing poetry since I was a kid before camp. So it was in May, but
0: shout out to Catherine for uh, giving me my debut. Follow up. When you have one of your like amazing performances, we went to one last year that was full to the max and like funny and real and awesome. And there were so many camp people in the audience. How does that make you feel? I am blown away and beyond humbled by the amount of
2: camp folk that show up at my performances. Like it's It's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. Like I've been at colleges performing and I look out into the front row and there's like campers from when I was a counselor. I mean, some of my early gigs were through Julia brought me to wash you. I I, sat in the front row and I brought all my friends. You did. I mean, like there. So there the first network I reached out to when I started touring full time was Walden because y'all were in college and, and I owe everything to, to that
1: um, so I think we yeah we're probably going to wrap this up shortly but are there any final thoughts you're feeling about anything we want to didn't get to cover
2: I, I, yeah, I so would love to, you to talk about um, something that I did as a counselor which was I referenced taking some of the tools I was learning at the time in college as an activist as a workshop facilitator as a editor editor, as an educator um, there was this thing I would that my co-counselor Carly and I would do with our campers when they were 15 which was the oldest age for campers and we called them debriefs and they were essentially facilitated dialogues and discussions about emotions and feelings and where everyone was at and this was really important to me and to my co-counselor Carly that we allow our campers a space to feel like they were safely able to talk about what they were thinking and feeling because the last summer at camp can be highly charged with like this is the last this and this is the last this and also you're 15 and like which is you have no a perspective yeah. zero perspective <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a thing so taking that kind of communication style into the camp space and watching that impact my campers and continuing to speak with them now about how that was a tool that was helpful in, you know, feedback I've received is that that was a helpful tool and skill set in training grounds for being an activist or an educator or whatever it may be and how to view a lens on the world is really important to me. So I think that we can, again, like think that to me was a way to create safety at camp, right? That like, let's intentionally have a moment to talk about where we're at. And I'm not a therapist and nor was my co-counselor, but as an activist, as a trained educator, as a trained facilitator on dialogue and discussion, I did feel like I had the tools to moderate, to co-moderate those kinds of conversations. And I, I think that instilling that kind of having that in the toolbox at camp can be really helpful I know that a lot of camps now have licensed clinical professionals and social workers that's really important and training staff and counselors to be equipped to talk with campers about who they are and where they're at and and in a way that creates that safety is where you can start to make sure that you don't lose kids to unsafe yeah. experiences.
0: Uh, we did something similar when I was a counselor. We just called it high to highs and lows, but we didn't do it every day, but like a few times. But I also think that it's important as a camper to just like kind of know that someone, your counselor or someone is there kind of thinking about you, checking yeah. in with you. That can also go a long way towards making camp a safe space. Yeah, Dealing with things.
2: Well, and it's naming to your campers without crossing any boundaries and telling them inappropriate things about what your experiences yeah. are. Just naming like, I hear you, I see you, um, you are not alone. Yeah. And, and that trust is massive. And that's what my counselors did for me. And that's where I, it was like an oral history. Like I had counselors that made me feel safe and so I wanted to do everything I could to help create that safety for my campers.
0: I mean, you weren't my counselor, but you definitely did that for me, too, when I was growing up. Thanks. Seriously. To this day, my dad is like, I don't know where you would be without Caroline. And I'm Aww. like, oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: that's Thank you. I feel the same way.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like, again, you weren't my counselor at camp, but at camp, I, you know, especially I was very close with your sister and still am, and... I would, I would think of you as an extension of, you know, I was always so jealous that, like, she was your sister. Oh. Uh, and I remember Natalie always being like, you can talk to her too. Like, she's totally, like, <laughs> she's amazing. You should go talk to her about these things that you're talking to me about. Um, and I did. And I was always so happy when to get your advice. Thank and you. And I continue to do that Thank outside you. of camp.
2: Thanks, Julia. Thank you both, and I want to give a shout out to my sister that she is a she is a licensed, a licensed therapist. therapist, and <laughs> she should really be doing this. <laughs> she really should, and and that like I think that I think it speaks volumes to our mom, to uh, our shout family, out to Nancy Ross. Shout, shout, shout out to Nancy. out to Nancy and to Walden. Right, that we I, I I don't want to speak for my sister, but the fact that like. Two Waldenites came from a Waldenite, and one of us, I like to say my tagline is I tell people my problems. My sister helps people with their problems. <laughs> that, but that's, you know, I an outspoken artist and activist and educator and a licensed therapist. Like I think. Two such like productive
0: members of society. Yeah, no, it's but I'm saying thanks no, to I, camp. I, you yeah, know? but like that's that's the whole thing. Like that's it, you know? Yeah. camp... Helps us
2: make the whole world camp. <laughs> make camp great again. Oh, <laughs> uh, God.
1: Thank you for joining us, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Our, just to let our listeners know, can you give us a little rundown of uh, maybe your website and some, yeah. some performances yeah, coming Yeah, I am check you up? out.
2: Yeah, I am www.carolinerothstein.com. And I'm on Twitter, CE Rothstein, Facebook, Caroline Rothstein, Instagram, Caroline Rothstein. All right,
0: uh, great. Thank you so much for coming thank on. You thank for you for having Caroline. me, Caroline. We love you. Love, love you too. All right, so that was our dear friend, Caroline, uh, for part one of our Camp as a Safe Space episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Check us out next week with part two. Yeah, and as always, we're going to plug our social medias. You can check us out at www.happycamperspodcast.com. are on Instagram at, at happycamperspodcast. Facebook at happycamperspodcast. <laughs> and Twitter at happycamperspod. Or send us an email at happycamperspodcast at gmail.com. Literally, there are so many ways to contact us, and we'd love to hear from you about everything. Yes, anything. Please. Um, also, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes specifically rating and reviewing if you subscribe that's your choice but the rate review really helps us and in you have iTunes no charts on the rate review that's essential yeah uh that'd be awesome so thank you so much we'll be back next week with part 2 day is done gone the sun we out <laughs> Our theme song was written, recorded, and sung by the very talented Steffi Copeland.